When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jumping into the sixth episode of the season, dear friend, another heavy episode, guys. Yeah, I think this one was really cool because it expanded the story. There's more locations in this one, yet despite more locations than I think any of the previous episodes, it's arguably just as tight or even tighter in terms of everything connecting really well. So that's a good sign, something I appreciate. Yeah, I definitely agree. It feels like things are coming together in both good and bad ways for the characters. So want to talk about, about like the overall theme of the episode? Yeah, so I really felt like it starts in the previous episode, but I, I really felt like this episode was Yennefer at, at some point says Geralt asks how she is or whatever, and then she says it's been a difficult few months, but things finally seem to be turning a corner. Obviously, that's a very ironic statement, but if we take it at face value, it's where everyone's at. They are very close to seeing their dreams potentially fulfilled. Siri is at the temple. She could be learning from Neneke. Possibly she could have Yennefer as her teacher and Geralt as her dad. It'll be all safe and happy and, and whatever. Even Neneke says, like, with the right guidance, you may be able to break the cycle of hatred once and for all, which is, I mean, talk about, like, capital H hopes. Francesca finally has her hopes fulfilled of becoming a mother, and it's such a moving turning point for everyone. Like, all the elves on the continent. Fringilla, the tide has started to turn for her a little bit, but she is still in a place, like, she still has Francesca's support, and she's still in a place where she could basically tell Kira to, like, fuck off and just leave Nilfgaard and become almost like the godmother of the elves, which is the position she's in. But obviously, even Vesemir, he has the serum, he doesn't have Siri, but like, he, he has this thing that was what he was hoping for. But as we go through the episode, we're like, we're gonna see almost all of it either crumble already, or like the seeds of it crumbling to dust just be directly planted and, and start sprouting. So we'll go through that as we go through the episode. I really felt that very strongly in this one, which is, which is good for an episode six, because we're right about to hit the final act. Yeah. It is stronger here on rewatch too, because like you said, it leads to those things. But when you don't necessarily know that it's going to all those places, because some of the things change from the books, and you have by this point on episode six, you've seen so many changes that you're not certain that everything's going to be the same. So when you know it's going to happen, it does sh- line up these dots even more, and you're like, "Wow, this is really even more connected than I would have n- been able to tell on first watch." So I very much agree with you there, and think it's enhanced by repeated viewing. So let's jump into Geralt, Siri, and Roach versus the Stellasite, what's called Chernabog. I see uh, you have an issue with the Chernabog. <laughs> it's not what a Chernabog is at all. <laughs> like, I'm not an expert in Slavic mythology by any means, but like... Looks more like a dragon, it, huh? Yeah, it's like an, a creature, demon? and Chernabog is like a god or a demon. He, he, like the god of bad fortune he, or something like well, that? Like, yeah, he's like yeah. a sapient. I mean, like, he can, he can think. He, he's not like a, a hungry creature or whatever, and I... I just felt like they took a name that sounded cool and put it on something that has really nothing to do with the Trinidad, so 
was not a fan not of that. For the, not, for the, not for the first time, to be fair. Not, books and show both do it, but you're right. I, I think it looked cool. It looked like a demon. Like, the face was really creepy, but yeah, it didn't. It was just a mindless beast, yeah. Which is not the most interesting thing. But I didn't love this scene either. I thought the it was very moving. The prayer for Roach was really good. That was really good. But I just am baffled by why he didn't have his swords. Why the hell are my swords? Like, why? Yeah, why don't you have your swords? It, it, when we brought this up, I think in the group chat and our Facebook, I think maybe in Facebook group, I'm, maybe I'm misremembering. Someone mentioned maybe it was a, a call out or a call back or a nod to a, a season of storms because Geralt is missing his swords in that one for a while. A decent guess. It's better than anything I have because I don't really have a guess other than <laughs> it was a random thing. But one other thing I like besides the Roach funeral, which, by the way, it really seemed like it might have been a nod to Red Dead Redemption. Which I haven't even played, but I've seen that video of the horse dying because it like went viral, like how sad and moving that scene is. It's also featured in the show Mythic Quest as a legitimately emotional moment in a video game. They're trying to show how video games can do real storytelling. And they're like, look, yeah, like it was a good example of a legitimately emotional moment from a video game that you're not invested in. I'm like, that worked on me seeing it. And I, like I said, I haven't played the game, don't know who this is. I'm like, well, that's, this guy really loves his and, horse. And also Roach is, there's a lot of memes about Roach, but Roach is a... A beloved companion, especially in The Witcher 3, The Wild Hunt, okay? It's like this yeah. huge, it's this huge fandom thing where Roach is just, that's our horse, man. That's our <laughs> horse on that roof. <laughs> but it was a touching moment. You can show how genuinely loving Geralt was of his horse. As Clarissa in the chat reminds me of something that, that I be- is a true anecdote that Henry Cavill argued for a more gravitas in this moment. Not that Lauren had it as a lighthearted moment, but Henry wanted it speech, more yeah. serious. She had it standard serious, and Henry's like, no, we got to go even heavier with it. I think, and that I, think was I heard cool. that he was the one who wanted to put in that monologue. Oh, okay. About, about the mists yeah. and like, mm. yeah, the range. The other thing I was going to say that was really cool about the scene is that they did... They did it in a few places throughout the season is they show you the camera eye of the, the monster or the, the creature. Like they do it with Philippa as the owl. They do it here. You actually get the Chernabog's like vision, which I find that really it's like all messed up. too. Yeah, it's three yeah. colors and like three like scopes all misaligned or trying to line up. It was uh, that was pretty cool. So, yeah, it was mm-hmm. definitely interesting. That's for sure. Yeah. Other than the weirdness, I like that. But the other thing that it establishes, too, is this thing we talked about before that I said was a saving grace for something that I was a little annoyed by, which is the recurring trope of monsters or bad guys just inexplicably pause before they're going to kill the main character or an important character. And that enables that pause enables the difference of them to escape. And they did that with the myriapod. But here it's resolved by saying the monsters don't want to kill her. They're just trying to, like, capture her. They're just drawn to her. And... That's why it didn't try to kill her. And that's why the Leshy was just trying to grab her and not crush her to death or anything like that. And that's why this Chernabog was probably not going to kill her either. It was just trying to capture her or something. It's not clear, but Siri has come to realize now after multiple incidences that the monsters don't seem to want to kill her. It's something else. And Geralt starts to, that helps Geralt figure more of it out too. We hear uh, have Amanda saying she ugly cried. I have a few friends that were like, that was a... Really sad moment because Roach was messed up. Those are three yeah. really big marks there. The Temple of Melitole. Yeah. Really, really nice. We love this. It looked so cool, didn't it? Oh, Just the like set the, so the, pretty. the set. Yeah. The statue was super cool with all the, the sensor going back and forth with the smoke and all the candles and 
Yeah, because you imagine it in your in your mind because there's like all these like gemstones and like imagine that it'll be like like maybe a little bit more Middle Eastern or Indian. That's how I always imagined it, and it has a really cool vibe to it. As like there's like incense and there's all sorts of cool trees and foliage and stuff, and it just feels more like a spa or a getaway retreat. We know that in the books, get Gero gets healed there. In the show, they're using this for a different reason, and it's really cool. Yeah, but zero yeah. stars because there's no Malitale, I mean, uh, Nanaki's garden with the carnivorous, uh, <laughs> what was it? Clam? The oysters Oyster, or yeah. whatever, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. Uh, I wish we could have gotten some sort of garden, but whatever. <laughs> well, you, are, you, are, you are being sarcastic about this and the people that are saying zero Yeah, yeah, no, of course. I, I oh, thought it was yeah. great. I thought it was great. I do wonder, actually, it seemed, I mean... There could be camera tricks and whatever, but it seemed like such an elaborate, big set. I do sort of wonder if, if that might be an indication that we'll be back here. I had mentioned characters like Vesemir. What what are their kind of rules going forward? What's the purpose of what we're going to see with some of these characters? I could see Vesemir and Neneke and Istrid kind of getting together and figuring things out while Geralt's trying to protect Ciri around the continent. Like, certain characters like that getting on the fringes in places like Temple of Molitale when shit is hitting the fan maybe later in the seasons. Nanaki kind of obviously being a mentor, but her being more involved. Another character like an Istrid that will have a bigger role throughout the seasons. Yeah, what she says to Geralt is she needs to find balance within her. Mm -hmm. That's the best way to arm her and equip her for what's coming is to help her get set situated within herself but and before that i think she says something like i do not see any direction in which you are not entirely fucked <laughs> yeah <laughs> just like yeah. that's so good <laughs> yeah <laughs> i also got several of, i got the, some of the exchanges of yara in the funny section but for now they talked about the oniromancers the, the dream yeah. memory guys that we'll see Kondwiramirs. I love that name. That name is so difficult, right? <laughs> I tried to spell it, and I it didn't even tell me it was spelled wrong. I think it just defeated <laughs> Google Ducks. <laughs> what, 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 what about our Orbiculum? Yeah. Like I, whenever we were talking, having our chat on Thursday, and I I kept on stuttering, I couldn't like I was like instead of four different ways. Yeah, they, they did a little humor with that one too. Like, of course, eventually it turns into the opening of the gate. It, it, it detects the magic within her. She's like, you'll figure out what it's good for. And then she smashes one of the Michelet brothers in the face with it. That's like the first thing she actually does with it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's a pretty good use for it. <laughs> but Yar, Yar was funny, man. Like literally drops Ethelene's prophecy. Like, right on the ground, yeah. Uh, like, oh, it's, no. oh. She's reading it and then she sees the blood. Like, oh, crap. <laughs> Speaking of <laughs> blood, <laughs> like this. Uh, I'm reading about elder blood and there's younger blood right here <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> He's got this clumsiness, like this clumsy innocence tripping over himself kind of vibe which i really liked it was like it yeah. was just like innocence about him which i really liked it was uh yeah. cool to see. and so many easter eggs out of his mouth just oh, what yeah. what is he mentioning like about he's just babbling and all the stuff he says is like relevant so like the aneomancers He's like, there's a long lost <laughs> tower somewhere on the continent that used to connect to blah, 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 blah. Right. Which is some, which is a big deal. It's a big deal. You're meant to connect. I think you're deal. at least meant to connect that dot to what Deathless Mother has said about a tower. So yeah, that much is, is there to be gleaned without revealing what else is coming. <sighs> and also with Neneke and Geralt, she says, she like brings up the wild hunt and there's this point about she's, saying things she knows things that no one has known for a while so they're coming to her in dreams it's it's knowledge that she can't have gotten from a book or something like that so that's even then because it doesn't break her demeanor because she's just so chill she's so good at she's so peaceful which is a little different from her book character who's more snarky 
but still yeah. ultimately like very much controlled with her emotions she just allows herself to be snarky they also made the show version of her more calm because i think she senses that siri is not in the sense of being in control and she's trying to be a stabilizing factor and that's exactly why Geralt brought siri there right he realized yeah. that Nanaki could maybe chill siri out a little bit and maybe help her out a little yeah bit. well also none of them are wounded i'm like yeah, you know, so I feel like when, when you're wounded, she's like, stay in the fucking bed. You know, like. <laughs> and she's had to deal with a bunch of bullshit, yeah. you know, dueling, dueling with people to the death and stuff like that. Yeah. Another thing I liked about the temple is that when Geralt says that he studied there and that was where he learned his signs, I just really like the idea mm. of having of the witchers not having just a single sex education like all the way through that they, they can learn yeah. from people like an Anarchy also. And yeah. But also not just learning their signs of care more and having somewhere else where they learn magic and this temple of Melitele being more you know, kind of magic focused and somewhere where they could perhaps learn a few more tricks. You know what I mean? Because they need to know their herb lore, yeah. clearly, right? It's healing. <laughs> I mean, I'm partly joking, but really the healing stuff is obviously crucial for their job. They obviously have get hurt a lot yeah. <laughs> on the, while fighting monsters. And maybe this is where Geralt read the books he was talking about, because there don't seem to be that many at Caremore. <laughs> That's true. And this is where, if I remember right, in Voice of Reason, where Geralt and Jaskier have some of the great conversations about how the world is changing and yeah he's got a book <laughs> he's like reading a book and he comes out and he's like hey I got vodka <laughs> they start drinking <laughs> and talking it's great yeah that's uh, Voice of Reason is a little underrated but because it's split it's, it's yeah. we covered it as one but you read it in little chunklets in, in, the, in Last Wish then we get an appearance of Yennefer yeah she bumps into Siri at the Arbunculum and is like crap there's the person I'm looking for how about that and then quickly finds out who she is and is like all right, Deathless Mother, I see. I see what, what you've done. This is way worse than I thought. This is not what way I expected. Worse. I thought I would suffer physical pain. I thought the pain would be on me. I didn't expect to have to betray the people I love the most. That's pretty clever. Geralt. <laughs> yeah. to fool Geralt is going to be difficult. So as I mentioned last episode, we have this whole destiny thing where she says... There's multiple incidences here. Geralt says, how is this... Or she says, how is this possible? And Geralt says, I don't care. And it seems like destiny, right? And then in this moment, while she's reunited with him and, and super happy about it, she's also, her spirits undoubtedly have plummeted because she realizes she has to betray him. So she has to steal Siri away from him. Well, he's not going to love me if I do that. It's, I don't even know if bittersweet is strong enough of a word. Like the level of conflict within her must be just hard to fathom. Yeah, she just drifts around this episode. I thought Ani Shal- Shalashah was do? great. And- yeah. Because he's his reaction is oh my god his that face he makes before turning around is like man that's some good acting there Mister Rivia <laughs> <laughs> and they just to note like they they hold each other for like several beats before they actually kiss and just yeah. study each other's faces and I think Yennefer actually goes in for a kiss first and he like holds her chin it's like very it's very sweet and very well directed <laughs> yeah. And then Siri comes in before it can progress, yeah. right? And then, <laughs> so they're walking away and it's even worse. It's just the way that he's, Geralt's hurting Yennefer because he doesn't realize what she's going through. He's, she's, what made you, she's confused. Yennefer is obviously conflicted. And she says, what made you change your mind on this child surprise thing? Cause this is all news to her. She thought Geralt was not going to 
go through with the child surprise thing. The last time they saw each other was Kangorn, where he was like, I'm not doing that. So and he said they would be terrible parents. Yeah, so this is a total reversal. This is part of her dealing with what's happened. Like, I how is this even possible? And she asks him, how did this happen? And this is apparently a bad question to ask. He's like, well, actually, you partly you helped me change my mind. She's like, oh, great. Now, <laughs> digs the knife in even more. <laughs> I know she makes the wrong choice, but I feel so bad for Jennifer in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> we also get the, you really expect me to believe that unicorns exist? <laughs> <laughs> of course they do. I used to own a stuffed unicorn. Well, I mean, that's great oh, because, like, these three characters <laughs> we haven't had for, I can't do math, but 12, 13 episodes who haven't, you know, all been together on screen at the same time. And then they're just, like, having tea and talking. And Yeah, they got a big old plate of food. Yeah, and dropping <laughs> Easter eggs for the rest of us. This episode is actually quite Easter egg heavy. Yeah, oh yeah. And Geralt is just staring at Yennefer lustfully, that whole scene. Whereas at first he's just so happy to see her. He's just, like, astonished and struck. But here... He's had time to process, and he's just horny. You can tell, and and, and Siri realizes it. every time I everything I ask, you don't break gaze with her. Like every question I bring up, you just keep staring at her. So I'm gonna leave. Yeah, he's like, ah, <laughs> thank God I manscaped the before lilac I left Cameron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he smells so, yeah. the lilac and gooseberries. He hasn't. He does. He, Which he breathes course. in. I think when he's. When she comes into the room and he's turned yep. around, he like breathed in and I was like, oh my God, well, I like it 100%. I did too. I yelled that out loud in, when I first yeah. time I saw it. I was like, he smelled me loud. Ten minutes later, he's describing how he can hear her heartbeat and she plays it off like she's nervous, but it's because she's mega conflicted here. But it, it passes you know, because it is a intense moment for this being reunited. So he's not suspicious. He couldn't possibly be sense. suspicious yeah. of, of what, ends, what ends up happening. Like, how could he see that coming? It's a happy and calming presence for him. Like, when he, he can just see it, it's, like, affecting him in a positive well, way. Well, everything's falling into place for Geralt. It's like, he yeah. has Yennefer back. He has Siri. She's safe. She's learning. And, yeah. Then, dun, dun, and dun. then we have shit hit the fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this kind of, by the way, is, is a little bit, like, replaces the book scene that's all done all in memory of them bumping into each other at Beltane. Because that's their reunion after Kangorn in, in the books. And the, whereas here, this is their reunion after Kangorn, the first time they've seen each other. And it's also very random that they happen to bump into each other. So it maintains that important core element of destiny. Whoa, we bumped into each other at this very fortuitous time on this holiday, which is the series' birthday and all that other stuff. Gerald bringing Siri to Nanaki for, you know, training, council, and yeah, it, just, it definitely reinforces the idea that these three are meant to interact with each other or be with each other as some sort of family. And, and one thing I'll say, I think a lot of people were upset about the change in the books where they do have their sort of happy experience. Where, I mean, it's not exactly like this, like the whole dear friend thing. And by the way, shout out to Anya Charlatra's face when he says that, because I just <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, that's perfect. I do prefer it <laughs> yeah. in the books because it's, it's like this very long series of passive-aggressive, hilarious letters between them. But I thought this was very fun also. But yeah, Jennifer and, and Siri train together at the temple. And I totally get why people wanted that. And I mean, I wanted it too, obviously. But like something that I, I think they keep doing is they have to start people on a lower... If the relationship starts here in the books, they have to start it here so that they can actually grow to a higher point and i think that's part of what they're doing 
I'll probably go more into this when we talk about the finale, but this is obviously the, the start of that plot line. So I think it's worth noting that it's done for a purpose, not just, let's just change it. The way Geralt says, dear friend, and Yennefer's like, what the fuck is that, man? Mm-hmm, <laughs> like, yeah, she's like, like, am I, I not? face mo- as my ringtone, I would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. It's like the scene of great faces, because bo- all three of them have a face in that scene. Because yes. Geralt has, oh my god, it's you, the smell face when he before he turns around that's so iconic. Yennefer has the, are you kidding me, dude, dear friend reaction. And Siri has the... Oh, you're Yennefer. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so they all get to do their show their acting like, chops for different reasons. One is like the serious, one is the really meaningful, like romantic, and one is the just like romantic comedy. <laughs> Kate says, well, in his defense, he thought she was dead, so that complicated their relationship. Yeah, yeah just a little. Just a little. Yeah, <laughs> but let's be honest, they're destined for each other in the university pissed off. I, I will say to... Um, can we go to the Michelet brothers? I do prefer it in the books just because it's a very complicated scene in the books. Like, Geralt is like really overkill. It's monologue. Yeah. It's intense. Yeah, it's yeah. very... And this is really just like he's protecting Ziri in the temple. And he, like, just, he just beats them. Yeah. Like, and it's a very cool fight scene and like it would... Very Sherlock Holmesy. It had that slow-mo kind of <laughs> thing to it, which was super yeah. cool. It definitely reminded me of what we saw in the end's beginning, the very first episode of The Witcher when Geralt is fighting Renfrey's crew. Yeah. Definitely reminded me yeah, of that. Yeah, but it does use them as Renfrey's crew, which is like a bunch of people who we don't know who they are, and the fight just yeah. happens, whereas in the books, it is very relevant and resonant fight. And the fact that they're brothers yeah. actually matters because they like care about each other. This is more yeah. like their Rianz's crew. Yeah, they're, they're just bad guys, guys which is fine. Yeah. I mean, in like, the books, yeah. you yeah. see the scene where they're hired, and you're in the head of the the talking brother, the brother that does the contract negotiations, and you see his reaction to Rianz accepting. We wouldn't do it for less than two hundred, and he's Rianz is okay. And the guy's shit. <laughs> he accepted too quickly. I should have asked for four hundred or something like that, which is means that this might be, you know, something else. And then, yeah, the audiobook version of this is really is really good because the, the narrator is, Geralt was angry. He repeats that phrase over because, you, like you said, McCall, it's really intense. Geralt is pissed. And so he's digging in more and he doesn't notice the huge gash that's causing him to lose blood and he's got about to faint or whatever because he's so mad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I agree with uh, what Gregor is and you guys are saying. Like Gregor says, I like the scene when Rianz hires them in the books. Unfortunately, we didn't get that. But I also don't, I'm also like not super upset about it. Like it's not like a. Yeah, it's not a make no, or break. I mean, of all not, the things not, that they're like, going to change. Like a make or break if you're episode, telling me yeah. that they changed the Michelet Brothers scene, I, I, it's not going to make my, <laughs> yes. like, I'm, I'm mad list. You know, yeah, I just. not important. It just yeah. is a scene that's stuck <laughs> in my head from the books and, and would be hard to adapt, totally. But. Uh, yeah. But that definitely ties in with, you know, they're obviously tied to Rianz, and Rianz has to run back with the tail between his legs, so you get the vibes that Rianz is a little bit cowardly. Bad at his job. He doesn't, he doesn't get uh, what he, he's supposed to do here, but it's pretty intense, though, you know what I mean? The Mikulay brothers create enough of a distraction when Rianz is, like, melting a door, and, like, it's super intense, so yeah. I get why they're trying to focus more on Rianz here. Because I, it is what it is. I think. I wonder if they're gonna play with that at all with Rian's like later how he that's that was because he was just like a flamethrower there. Like that's a lot of fire magic he was using. Like he, he's talented as he says, but yeah, maybe that has makes him a little madder, a little, a little more like his brain I doesn't agree. quite work as well. They did maintain a little bit of the book element there with him, like the shot coming right at him as he jumps through the portal, which is in the book. I think it's Jennifer's flame that gets him. 
But Yennefer also in the book mentions that he didn't have time to open a portal, which meant someone else was helping him from afar. The candle lighting scene with Siri and Neneke, which was really nice and very subtle because Siri is lighting a candle for Malsack and for Roach. But she's also a little frustrated because she's like, Malsack knew what I was and never told me. And, and, and then Calanthe knew what I, or her, my grandmother knew what I was and never told me. And Neneke pivots to like, well, who was Malsack? And she's like, well, this guy, he, he died protecting me. And she's like, well, if he died protecting you, he must have really loved you. Which the implication being that's maybe why they didn't tell you what you were is because it's partly because of they loved you. It wasn't, wasn't something they did to hurt you. They probably had a good reason, and you should maybe consider that. But she doesn't spell that out for Siri. She just yeah. drops the hint, which I thought was a pretty nice touch. I mean, certain things have to be hidden. You know, information gets out. Someone gets that information, goes into the wrong hands. You, you're in danger. We clearly see people are hunting down Siri. I think Siri is starting to realize that more people are after her for her yeah. power. Uh, sorry, not <laughs> as well, but I, I just do think that's an important thing to note because I, it's an important theme that Siri is being protected in ways that she doesn't appreciate mm. and like really doesn't want to be and that's not going to end with this but it's interesting to see her grapple with i love these people and yet i'm so resentful of their decisions she's frustrated by it because she's not getting what she wants right i mean she lost her home and she's put in this situation where she's had to adapt we we hear vesemir even say you've impressed me but you're still i still think you're a little bit of a bratty princess and siri does have kind of that some of that sense of entitlement to her because she has had that life but She's learning the hard way, which I think is better than you know, her live, continuing to live in an entitled life. She would have definitely been in more shit. Uh, let's move to Sintra. This was actually yeah. some of my favorite stuff this season. Kahir returning. Let's start with that. I, I wrote down here, Kahir uh, returning is affecting not only Frangilla, but as well as her relationships. And this episode is called Dear Friend. Frangilla is not a character that has a lot of friends out there. And we hear Francesca say, hey, we're partners. And it's like a feel-good moment for Frangilla. We, like, we know she's in, she's uh, d- devoted to Nilfgaard, but you feel like there's maybe some part of her that feels like she could do a lot more somewhere else. You know what I mean? But she's stuck. But she definitely, with the white flame gone and Kahir gone, she's really flourished and done an amazing job. Yeah, you know she, I mean? yeah, Kay here points out, he's like, you've done well here, but of course, by the end of the episode, we've got to remember what our job is here, what your, what our first priority is. You've done well. That'll blame you for getting yeah. off track, but it's time to get back on track and you know he's what not, the yeah. track is. And, and that's he, an, and, D- and Dara overhears this scene, by the way, if you guys, sure, I'm sure you noticed that, but that's, that's important that Dara hears and, it. Yeah. And Kahir's not wrong, but he really diminishes her presence. Like, you can yeah. see her mood and everything change about Frangilla when he's back. Kahir is right back in this fucking guy territory now. <laughs> like, it was really like yeah. how he was growing on me. It's gruff and, like, down and out. And now he's, oh, no, no. Power is not good for you. No, it's not. Yeah, it really goes to show the difference, right? Now, that's exactly what I was going to say. That was perfect. McCall talking about how it's all about, and he's back in power. He's outranks everyone there. He's like the super high-ranking guy, which is different from the books, as we pointed out before. But I don't have a problem with that. But it's important to remember that he's super high-ranking. So, yeah, now he's all of a sudden has his authority again. Whereas before, he was just a refugee, didn't have anyone to command. <laughs> he just left with his, his wits, which are considerable. But it's it's nothing like having... The might we may not like guard. what he's saying, but he is realistic about the situation. He's not wrong. He yeah. is, but he's taught. Amir, Amir is ruthless. He's completely missing the reason why Frangilla did this and the reason why she's doing it yeah. now. Because those are not quite yeah. the same. She looks like she did this to set up 
a relationship with Nilfgaard and the elves and to strengthen their position that way. And tactically, that probably was. But also what she asked of the Deathless Mother was command and power, right? And the reason she's Mm -hmm. doing it now is because she believes it's right and she wants to help the elves. And he is completely like, aw, that was a cute distraction for you he he just did not is not speaking yeah. to her on that level at all which obviously he shouldn't if the plot is going to move but and the character i mean it's, it's in character for him but yeah you can see how deflated she is on francesca and phil mm-hmm. evangel talk about that and like just it being this worrisome thing because they all are relying on her like she really is the fairy godmother of this community that story of her killing her own father was really really moving or really powerful and really shows you just why Francesca helps establish why Francesca is so determined and while she'll she will not bend she might break before she bends that kind of thing just she's very intent and willing to do anything and then Frangela responds to that story very interestingly with with the story about how at Eratusa something that similar to what Yennefer said how they teach how to the, the art of politics and how to let other people think they're in charge when they're really not, which is, of course, really important for this whole power dynamic between her and Kay here, as well as between other leader subordinate relationships that are in this general orbit, like Phil Evandrel and, and French and, and Francesca have a more regular relationship where there's not there isn't manipulation between them. But all these other re- relationships are full of hidden agendas or maybe not so hidden, but here <laughs> yeah. is honest, but let's be honest. This is a play on words here. Amir is worse than Kahir. Oh yeah. No <laughs> doubt. No doubt. Not close. Way yeah. a thousand he, times. He is. But <laughs> yeah. if Kahir was like, you know what, what you're doing here is awesome. We're going to yeah. actually <laughs> teach the elves to fight and not just tease them and call yeah. them idiots and whatever. Like there are ways in which positive action of the type that, that, Fringilla has taken and has continued to take in Sintra could actually create a... I mean, I don't know that if that's actually what Amir is interested in, because obviously he has a lot of goals that are not well, clear. clearly, I don't think it was because of what Right, he does, but like but, I'm yeah. saying, Kahir could not be like, I'm not following my orders, just doing it this way. I'm like doing positive things, and he's actively choosing to be like, nope, immediate results and what the the Empress says goes and blah blah blah. And that's not cutting yeah, it. doesn't offer her a lot of support. Yeah. Yes. Well, we have a sponsorship today, and it's perfect for uh, those among you who would consider yourselves firefuckers because you don't really want to be extra hairy. So you guys take it away, and I'll just I'm just that's, gonna mute for now. <laughs> that's a good point. You don't want to shave with fire. You don't want to try what Rians did, and snapping your fingers isn't good enough. So. You need a quality razor. <laughs> Manscaped, everyone. Yes. Manscaped. Yeah. Manscaped, they have, uh, of course, some of you have may have seen their ads. They have the Lawnmower 4.0. I actually use it for my beard trimming, but you could also use it for other parts of your body for hygiene down below for you men. <laughs> uh, and I happen to also be wearing their microfiber boxers, which are super, super low, like cooling and nice and super comfy and... Well, help you cool. move around a lot especially yeah, right I'm after actually- a shave down there you might want to <laughs> you need to let it breathe after <laughs> yeah i mean if it's safe down there it's pretty much they're basically saying it's safe anywhere that's the, the that's the highest you can set the bar which down there it's funny the bar is set low but high <laughs> but, but but i believe the lawnmower is a trimming tool capable 
of shaving a witcher. I believe it is. Even, perhaps even Nivellen. I don't have hair that thick, but it's worked really well in mine. I know, I know when I was younger and through osmosis, not osmosis, but through just not caring or not making a shift in my behavior, I would, I didn't think too much about razors that I had. So when they sent us this one, and I got to test it out because obviously we're not going to pitch it without having used it. And I was like, wow, maybe I should have been thinking more about the razors I had in the past. <laughs> it made me think back to 20 years worth of razor purchases. Like maybe I could have been paying more attention. But also maybe this is just better. That's entirely possible. Ceramic blade. And, uh, and it has know. a safety guard on it. So you're not like yeah cutting yourself. And it's got a headlight. That is so cool. Like I've never seen a shave, uh, <laughs> razor with a headlight before. That's just... Yeah, I'm down with that. I'm down with the headlight and the smoothness, and I didn't have any, like, razor burn <laughs> afterwards, so that was nice. I love how Mikaels is taking all of this in. But for those of you who are interested in <laughs> I'm on Instagram, I am just letting you guys have your, your moment here. <laughs> but Manscaped was kind enough to do this uh, partnership with us. If you do want to check out Manscaped, we do have a link in the description of the video. Really easy to find. I put it down there for you in the chat. And chat people that are listening to this or are going to be listening to the podcast get 20 percent off and free shipping use the code surprise all lowercase s-u-r-p-r-i-s-e and uh, use that on manscaped.com free shipping try out some of their products and uh like i said me and aziz have both used them and they're actually great yep 20 so. percent off that's international free shipping too so not just for us which is sometimes how all they can offer but no this is worldwide so that's really good and yes, once again, 20% off the code SURPRISE, manscaped.com. Razor's good enough for a witcher. <laughs> Speaking of dear friends, yes. other than Manscaped. Before you see them. your dear friends, make sure you're well-shaven. That's right. <laughs> Show them you, uh, you care. <laughs> how the Redanian stuff is just woven in here. We were talking about Odara over here at that scene. Uh, over here is Francesca and Cahir and Frangilla. But he also he hears him talking about the girl last seen in Sodden. And of course that rings the bell for him because he was there. <laughs> he was yeah. like the one who helped Siri escape. And so he tells Philippa that. And when you see this episode for the first time, unless you've read the books, you don't know what's going on with the owl. But he's talking to the owl just like Dijkstra did. So you know that something's up with that. So that's a huge bell ringing for him. And then it's neat to connect that dot as he is the one that Kay here picks on when they're doing, when they're practicing in the yard. And Kay here's, look, you guys are too soft. And he's sort of picking a fight and being antagonistic to, and it sets up what he says to Fringilla later that the birth of this child may ruin the elf Nilfgaardian alliance. He's already figured that out. He just hasn't revealed it to us yet or to Fringilla. So on rewatch, it's that this moment has a lot more subtext where he's already half expecting the elves to become not their allies anymore or something like that. And there's this parallel to the last episode where both times it's really interesting. Kay here and Phil Evandrel go at it twice. Last episode, when Kay here shows up, it's Phil Evandrel that intervenes. Is hey man, why are you so yeah, mad? He's like, who the hell are you? And then Fring and Fringilla shows up and def diffuses it. This time, Kay here is. When Cahir beats Dara, knocks him down, he's like, you fight like fairies. And Philavandrel jumps in and is like, impossible, you killed them all. And they start, they get ready to like, go at it. And then the baby, the birth comes and they, you know, like they yell, and Philavandrel, the birth is starting. And so 
that interrupts them from having a conflict. So that's interesting. Two episodes in a row, Kay here and Phil Evangel are like on the verge of fighting. The reason that Phil Evangel is down there is because he asked Francesca what she needed. And and she said, I need need you to teach our people to fight like humans and attack and not just defend. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can sort of see the beginnings of this alliance the pressure being put on this alliance. I, I don't think at this point it's doomed, but it's close. And that's going to come more into play next season when we see more factions fighting. Yeah. For that yeah. So Grieger says in the chat that Francesca manipulated Fringilla the whole time. I don't agree with that. I, I Not that their relationship is free of manipulation because they're both political pure, actors. Yeah. yeah. But I do think that the connection between them is genuine and they do accomplish really incredible things together and they're both aware of that so i i there was a benefit yeah i don't really see what the point would be like she didn't force Brunjilla to ask the devil's mother for commands that was like (laughs) yeah that's true another interesting subtle piece here is phil evandrel is still wary of hoping even when the child survives even after there's the moment where it looks like it's dead and then it comes back or it wakes up or i guess that's not that abnormal just take a minute for it to start breathing but he phil evangel yeah phil evangel asks if there was dark magic or necromancy Mm -hmm. involved which is well not from frangilla (laughs) not from francesca but the dark the deathless mother may be involved here oh i didn't even get that oh ooh. That was oh, good, right? Subtle. I didn't catch it the first time either. This time I was like, ooh, Phil Evangel, like, with the, with the interesting I just thought it was like there. a dramatic moment, but yeah, I know that has a lot more resonance. But that if... He's, he's got a good intuition. Yeah. yeah. That that baby he's, was Because he's, he's weird, yeah. But, yeah. He, 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 he was uneasy the whole time, I think. You know what I mean? Oh, he absolutely. Like really, he's, he's the yeah. grounded one, right? That's part of what yeah. makes them interesting as a couple. Like, she's the, like, faith... Hope, like, and that's why he said he chose her, right? Like he was like, okay, guy. that's the reason we chose you to lead us. But he's he definitely realizes that Nilfgaard is not to be trusted, right? Yeah, yeah. And it just and of course on cue, <laughs> with what you're saying, Kyle, they're having this big celebration. They're cheering. Frangilla is legitimately moved by it, and ask Kay here if he's ever seen anything like it. And and Kay here is a little moved by it too, but not by the the not by this celebration. He's moved by the memory of the one he thinks is similar, which is when the usurper is overthrown, <laughs> which that, to him, he, there's a little bit of awe in his voice. And Frangilla's, yeah, that wasn't such a great moment for me like it was for you, because, yes, it, it was good for me because I got let out of prison, but I wasn't let out of prison right away. It took a while. So I missed all the celebrating. <laughs> I, was still I also felt like she was talking <laughs> psychologically there a little bit. Like, it, was, it took Ooh, her a while to okay. come out of, of yeah. things. And you can tell that, point, she's, yeah. that her That's faith true. is not as... Stoic as Kay hears in Nilfgaard. You can see mm-hmm. her like maybe questioning. Well, she's finding a little another bit. faith. She's finding a faith in life yeah. and in helping because it's so telling that Kay hears. Yeah, the last time I experienced something like this was when like the battle was won with politics. I'm like, yeah. I'm not saying yeah. you can't have good celebrations about a justly won battle or, or whatever, but this is people like a, a child was born that was never yeah. expected. This is saving to be born. Our, saving a whole yeah. race. It's so transcendent of a moment I, and it, it doesn't relate i, I find of. it actually to be corny a little bit from kahir to be honest like, he's his i think that's that's yeah. well said his faith is placed there where hers is yeah is a little different as she's discovering maybe she hasn't sub fully come to grips with it but 
maybe the the Nilf Guardian Kool Aid, the White Flame Kool Aid, is wearing off a little <laughs> bit on her, whereas he's still fully fervent. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, 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 well, you see the look on her fucking face when he says, "Oh, the White Flame wrote me." Yeah. And I have the letter. Yeah, and in that, not only so, it's a double whammy for her because he points out the dark truth. He's right that this this birth yeah. may ruin their alliance. Of course, it doesn't because of Emir's evilness, but <laughs> yeah. it could have. Kahir's right to have read the situation that way, and, and so. Frangilla is A, taken aback by the truth of that, B, taken aback by the fact that she didn't realize it on her own. Damn it, he's right, and I should have noticed that. C, then he brings up the double whammy of, yeah. oh, M here's on his way, and he'll be here any day now. <laughs> and he, so, and he, he, he didn't alert Frangilla, he alerted to here, which is like yeah. a press thing, right? Yes, so kind that's, this that's power, a This power deal. dynamic. You said maybe episode five and six were your favorites. We'll have to maybe revisit that uh, that notion after seven and eight. But yeah, this is this one. This one might be my favorite. This this one. It's it's favorite. very tight. It's like it's the very, di- like, yeah. Just because of like the character growth, the dialogue, the the things that it sets up for the future. That's why I say that because I do feel like all the stuff is like because seven and eight are a little bit more focused on kind of the series stuff, but this stuff like yeah. The kind of Nilf Guardian stuff, the Elven stuff, that's gonna that's gonna be hugely important in season three, and like where we get more of the games, the Game of Thronesy stuff, all the warring factions going on. So I think that this stuff is like more of a setup for kind of the, some of the season three stuff. Yeah, you're right. It does do it does a lot of setup, and it has a lot of resolution, which is yeah, it's part of what makes it so tight. And, and and as we said at the beginning, it also it has so many locations, which makes it harder. It gives for it us to be tight, yeah. but it does that. <laughs> And gives us insight also into characters' motivations and where those characters may be going towards Frangela, here, all that kind of stuff. Let's move into Care Morin, and then we'll get into some Codringer and Fen stuff, which we're excited about. <laughs> cool, yeah. So this, there's not that much Care Morin in this yeah. episode. It's meaningful but brief. You have Vesemir, like, really lamenting. He's just sitting there looking, like, distraught. And then it almost immediately gets worse. Rance attacks, steals the elixir. They don't realize that's what he's done at first. It doesn't come till the end of the episode. They figure it out. Triss is, oh, no, because one of the witches is like, well, at least he left empty-handed. And Triss is like, huh. oh, no, he didn't leave anybody. I have a small problem with this. Like, how does how does he know how to hey, he just teleport into Kaer Morhen? He just knows. Like, it's not supposed to be a well-known location. I mean, it's not that hard to imagine he knows where it is. He was told by someone. But he doesn't know, he can't know from his boss because he doesn't have that boss yet. Like, he uses this elixir mm. to arrange a closer relationship with Lydia's boss. So, it can't be that. <laughs> that hasn't happened yet. So, I, I, I don't know, I, I wouldn't call it a plot hole, but I'm a, I was a little, eh. well, a little we, weird. We, we, a little too we easy for really... him just to teleport in there like that. But uh, Vesemir gets his ass whipped. He does, <laughs> which, yeah, which is a little, also a little like, how, that maybe was a little too easy yeah. as well. <laughs> you know, he took down, he took out down a leshy, but Rorianne's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, Firefucker's like tough, huh? Yeah, I, I wasn't, I wasn't so convinced by that. But, although yeah. I did like the fact that, like, he was basically, he wasn't even really trying to kill Triss. He was just trying to intimidate her. Yeah. yeah. He freaked her out by using fire magic. Immediately, Triss was like, oh, shit, the fire magic. Like, what the hell? Yeah. That's not supposed to. <laughs> well, it's also, I mean, it's, she was burned, so that's her, like, you know. You're right. Yeah, yeah it's trauma. Yeah. Good points. <laughs> and then we have, of course, Triss she... confronting Tissaia. Yeah, she leaves because she's freaked out and she understands what's happened. And she knows, like, she puts puts it all together. And unfortunately, <laughs> she goes to Tissaia and 
tells her secrets that maybe will get into the wrong. She says that blood in the wrong hands will destroy everything. It can be really awful. And well, we know who to say is connected to somebody that to Vilgefort who is not on the up and up, as we know. So that's a clue right there. Oh. <laughs> also, I think thematically worth noting that like Vesemir is the first one who has his hopes officially dashed. That's a really strong... Um, it is funny that they're all, oh, well, no harm, no foul. And then Triss is, oh, <laughs> shit. And then, like, it's like, ah, ha, actually. But, yeah, I, I think that's thematically on point that, that Vesemir <laughs> losing this thing that he was, that was representing his hopes. That's really important. This is why I think he could get involved with Neneke and perhaps Istrid and some, some of the kind of other things involving the Spears stuff because he does, he, he has a pretty good understanding of history. So him losing this may actually benefit Geralt and Siri and all of them in the long run because he's going to end up focusing on other things. So I'm really interested to see where they, because Vesemir is going to take a loss here, but he's also going to get a victory at some point. You know what I mean? This is the ebb and flow and how the story goes with the Witcher. <laughs> Let's jump into Codringer and Fen. Right? Yeah, and we weren't sure if we are going to be getting this stuff in this season, but this is a nice surprise, and I thought it was really well done. We don't... There's a little bit of a change from the book to the show. Of course, Geralt does this when he's with Codringer and Fen, but they have Istrid having this conversation, and I actually really like the change, to be honest. I thought it was cool. Istrid's more on their level. Like, he's more, like, yeah. in their style of being lore nerds, right? So they have yeah. more, like, in common, I suppose. Yeah. But he has a um, similar dryness to Geralt that comes through in a couple <laughs> of moments. But. Yeah, that's a good point. And I like the cat there because the cat oh, also is from cat. the books. Gotta like the cat. And it, it's effect- extra effective because you have animals in other scenes that turn out to actually be more than they seem. So what's up with this cat? It turns out to pretty much be a pretty normal cat, but... <laughs> and the cat meows when uh, Cotteringer asks uh, if it's working for Stregobor, which I thought yeah. was really funny. <laughs> I was like, cat, don't mention that name around me. Yeah. <laughs> we all hate Stregzy here. So. <laughs> Little fun moment there where, where they introduce that they're all lore nerds together, which I, I include myself in that. And- description that Istrid sees the book Elves and Humans by Hen Gedimdeeth, which is he's the, he's the oldest living sorcerer and uh, kicks off the the rest of the scene which leads into these Elves and Humans like the whole story of Lara Doran and <laughs> Kregan and Vlad is the story of Elves and Humans basically. And then we get uh, <laughs> the, the the big discovery of this scene, the mistranslation and discovery of Ciri's lineage, the yeah. Lara Doran. And uh, the mistranslation of Lara Doran's weapon, but it's actually warrior. And uh, Lara Doran, Lara Doran's blood lure aligned, creating this warrior and Siri being that warrior. Huge. This is what Lara Doran said as she was dying. Yeah. My curse will hound your descendants onto the 10th generation until the columns of space and time tremble and open for my people. Then my vengeance will be born again. So the it's interesting that she was made as a weapon. That seems like something that wasn't in the books. I don't think that was implied. I think it was just she and Kreganin had a relationship and that had a big cultural ripple effect and, and other stuff happened. So this is a little bit of expansion of that story, making it... Tell me if you envision it differently, but it makes it seem like they sort of made an elf witcher but uh, to kill humans not to kill monsters. That's what it sounds like, like conceptually. Like we made a, a weapon mm-hmm. 
out of an elf, and this this the the, so the, elves the weapon was extinct. Yeah, right, because the humans were the problem. That's what she was supposed to do. So it makes sense that I guess she was killed. She was had this fatal wounding, and under different circumstances than in the book where. It was just like racism that got her killed. And this um, is Stregobor's concern, right? This is his general concern about the the prophecy and whatnot, right? Yeah, we touched on that, how Stregobor, as awful as he is, there's an element of right in what he's saying about how, yeah, there is a legitimate danger here. It's just you're completely wrong to put every elf uh, in the guilty category for this. So that's where you're way wrong. But you're yeah. not wrong that there's a huge threat and that it is elf in origin it's just not all the elves yeah, yeah i i kind of wonder if hey. the if the weapon warrior thing was a self-fulfilling prophecy like i i don't i don't think that laura and friggin had the baby for that purpose but i feel like I agree, once yeah. it was born and laura knew she was yeah. dying because of all the stuff that had happened i feel like creating that curse might have been like the and then she created the weapon with this curse okay because she put her inten- intention yeah. energy and last spirit into that moment, right? That makes some sense. I think it fits For together with two kind of ideas. Yeah, she would be certainly vengeful over the death of, of her husband, her lover. But I think there is still the implication that other elves made her that way before this. Because I think that's what, what's written down in the, in the, on the documents they were looking at. But it still worked with your, with your idea there. But what I really like, too, is it ties in with the, the generational trauma that has been transcending generations for the elves and we're like obviously seeing that and we see more of that we see the the brutality and cruelty of amir later on it's pretty interesting what's being said here (laughs) yeah that was a good that's a really good scene yeah i I really like that the scene it was cool to see them and we we knew they were (laughs) going to be in this season but we wouldn't probably we might not have guessed that they were going to be in this season before the season before we found that out Also, one thing I love about this scene, and this kind of segues into our funny moments and towards the end of yeah, the Yeah, time of contempt, here, yeah, confirmed. Time of contempt, yeah. Is uh, when Fen, Fen says, it's probably pure coincidence that Amir wants the princess with the secret power to shatter Monolith for her to claim to a throne that he already took by force. <laughs> and Conrader says, and I've been thinking, how can we get Ansel's faster? More sarcasm. <laughs> but then the camera goes to Istrid, <laughs> and he's just like, are you kidding? But so, but it's meta and foreshadowing. It's funny. It's it's it's, it's really, the style it. of humor that I referred to earlier because Fen is joking about this is like being sarcastic, but Fen's also it's, a little bit wrong because that is in like in the book that is part of Emir's concern. Yeah. He does want legal claim to Sintra. That is part of what he wants. Yeah. But he, his bigger thing is her bloodline, her magical bloodline. But he he wants the politics definitely matter to him in this sense so, <laughs> so that's why it's so ironic to hear because we know it's important and will can yeah. be, be more important as the future goes on so i thought that was just a beautiful beautiful uh set yeah, of lines there that scene. was really funny uh, oh, i just thought yeah. they had great chemistry and I, I really enjoyed their scenes yeah yeah that's come up a lot today it feels like that we've talked about how some of these characters have really good chemistry with each other and that's just a good job with the casting for that casting of fan is perfect yeah. great great casting So Geralt gives up his swords when he gets to the temple. And Ciri's like, you're giving up your swords? And Geralt's, ah, no problem. It's neutrality here. There's no violence or politics allowed here. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> I, uh, I really like this. <laughs> Poor Geralt, dude. Here's a super sneaky joke. Lydia says to Rianz, if you want to, because she's telling him that you have to go into that temple to get Ciri. 
and he's she's you're gonna need some help. So this is when she suggests hiring the Michelet brothers. But she says, if you want to get out of that temple with the rest of your face intact, she's joking about his burns. But oh, she's man. the one that has a horribly disfigured face, far more horribly disfigured than his. Oh. Like, whoa. So that's a bit of pot calling the kettle black there. Like, yeah, no, your face is way more messed up than mine, dude. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Of course, uh, we have the cat hissing. Uh, yep. Uh, it works for Stregobor. So yeah, that's pretty funny. Good. Then we have the Arbunculum. Jar- Yara says, I don't mean to brag, but my tool is bigger and much more powerful. <laughs> and Siri gives him a look like, excuse me? Because she, she realizes he doesn't know what he just said. <laughs> but she's still amused by it. And then he drops the book and she says, your big old tool almost broke my toe. <laughs> There's definitely some sexual innuendo Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Yara's definitely got the hots for Siri, which, I mean... Which, it's funny, because if you're talking about visual metaphors, I mean, the orbunculum is way more along the lines of what Yara's talking about. Yep, yep, yep. (laughs) And it also sets up the moment we referred to earlier when Geralt's just smoldering at Yennefer at dinner. I love how... Yara smolders at her, and then Geralt smolders at Yennefer. Siri (laughs) is so canny, and I love how she's just gonna go. (laughs) (laughs) She's, yeah, she's so many things she's, like, a a girl about. She's just young. She acts like a young person about, but when it comes to, like, boys being interested in her, she becomes, like, an... She acts like she's old hat at this. She's, yeah. No, this is something I'm well beyond my years of maturity like i know how to handle a moon a moon calf i know how to handle a boy i know i recognize this look <laughs> she's like, I'm, a, I'm a princess yo this is something i have experience with all the boys look at me like that. <laughs> <laughs> and all the men too she's like, yeah I, i've seen this So yeah, these two episodes were excellent, like I said. They had a lot of stuff that moved the story forward. They had a lot of character, had a lot of character development, but also had a lot of stuff that's setting up big, big, big plot lines that are going to pay off in season three and season four. So a lot of really great stuff and a lot of really great performances. Like for me, Frangilla really stood out, her emotional moments. And Henry Cable was absolutely great, like his... His showing of emotion for potentially witchers who don't show emotion. That was <laughs> and yet, great. And then, that's a good point. He's talking yeah. about how we can't kill, like, witchers don't have emotions. And then we see the, the him directly contradict that when he tells Siri yeah. not to kill that not to kill the emotion yourself and then he his incredibly emotional reaction to meeting re, uh, reuniting with Jennifer. Just lots of evidence against that notion, huh? <laughs> <laughs> A lot of great stuff so yeah thank you everyone for joining us dear friend we want to thank of course uh, everyone for coming today and also manscaped which you can check out in the description don't forget you got the link there and you can use the code surprise s-u-r-p-r-i-s-e uh, for 20 percent off free shipping if you want to check that out also shout out to our supporters on anchor.fm that's maura lee that's Rhett c cat ovivas alejandro m james g barry W, Lucas M, Robert B, LC, and Amy Blackfire. Appreciate your support, y'all. We'll keep the episodes coming. And if you do want to support us, you can toss a coin to your podcasters, YouTubers. It is an option on anchor.fm. We got the link in the description of the video where you can check out all the episodes for our podcast. There's a $1 option, $5 option, $10 option. And uh, yeah, this really helps out the podcast. Thank you everyone for joining us. A big thank you from here on the podcast surprise. We shall see you all in the next episode. Bye. <laughs>